special Locked On crossover episode for you guys today. This is John Chick with Locked On Rangers, joined by Julia Kender from Locked On Devils. Julia, how are we doing tonight? Good, good. It would be better if it was a Devils win, though. Yeah, I hear you there, but you know, Tony D'Angelo, I guess, just had uh, just had other plans tonight. He, he really went off for the Rangers and just continues what's been an outstanding breakout season for him. It sure seems like it. Um, it doesn't help that our goaltender, you know, got hurt the other night, had a three-hour dental procedure yesterday, um, and then joined the team today in New York and was still put into the game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, I heard about all that. You know, he had the, the incident where he had a bunch of teeth knocked out, and then he's, you know, in the dentist chair for about three hours yesterday, and I think he's also been sick recently. So, I mean, do you think maybe the Devils could have just, you know, given him a break and, and just given him a night off tonight? Would they have been better served to, to do that? Yeah, I actually said in my podcast um, on Thursday that I thought Domingue should have gotten the start because of everything going on with Blackwood. It just didn't make sense to start him. Um, he's been getting so many starts. Domingue actually hasn't played since December 13th. So right. we needed he needed a start and Blackwood needed a rest. Um, so I think it would have been better off having Domingue start the game today, but that's just not what happened. Yeah, I mean, it seems on paper that it would have been a perfect chance to give Domingue a start. And I, I realize, you know, Domingue's numbers haven't been great this season, but, you know, you do have to play your backup goalie from times, and it seems like it might have been a good time to to do that tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, and hopefully we don't see Mackenzie Blackwood starting both halves of a back-to-back like he has previously in the season coming up for the Devils. Um, I hope that this shows that Domingue, you know, can kind of hold his own in that, even though he got scored on, he did make some good saves. And yeah. I think that this is going to be kind of a turning point for how much they rely on Mackenzie Blackwood. Gotcha. And one question I want to ask you about Blackwood, because, you know, obviously the Devils, you know, they had Corey Schneider and I understand he's now in the AHL and it's, it's kind of falling apart for him. But with Blackwood, I mean, it looks like he was a second round pick for you guys a couple of years ago. Do you look at it and like, do the fans look at him as like, maybe this is the guy going forward. This could be our goaltender of the future. I mean, does, does the franchise kind of see him in that light or what's your take on that? Yeah, 100%. He's only 23 years old and he's already become this uh, solid presence in net for us. Um, he's also, there are times where he really keeps the doubles in the game. He's become this, I, I don't even know how to put it. He's like a savior to them almost this season. Yeah. Um, so I think that going forward, he's definitely going to become the franchise goaltender. I think that that's how a lot of the fans have been looking at him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And speaking of franchise goaltenders, uh, Igor Shesterkin for the Rangers. We got to talk about him a little bit as well. Obviously, this is just his second career NHL game, but I thought he was great tonight, made 40-something saves and, you know, really – Showing off, uh, he's got a great glove hand. Uh, he, that was on display a couple times tonight. There was a sequence in the third period where, you know, the Rangers, I'm trying to remember what the score was. I think they might have still just been up by a goal at that time. But basically, he made, you know, a great pad save. And then there was the rebound opportunity. And he just snags it with the glove and 
holds for the stoppage. Um, what was your take on, on Shesterkin and, and how much are you not looking forward to facing him for hopefully the next decade or so? Yeah, he was really good. Um, the Devils actually got 49 shots on him and he stopped 46 of them. That's just wild, especially for being his second game in the NHL. Um, I, I personally, as a Devils fan, am not looking forward to facing him going forward because we've just got a glimpse of how he's going to be and he's only going to get more comfortable in the NHL going forward. So it's going to be rough facing him for any team. Um, but the devil certainly could not crack him today. He was really on, on the top of his game. Like he was really great tonight. Um, I have to, I have to give all the props to him. Um, because your team in general, the the Rangers played well, but he made some insane saves that were really crucial to keeping the Rangers in their lead. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, we had uh, a lot of Brodeur versus Lundqvist for a lot of years. And, you know, maybe going forward, we get, you know, another, I mean, I don't want to say a decade, but it's possible. You know, both guys are very young and, and very, you know, highly thought of in their organization. So maybe now we get a whole bunch of, you know, Blackwood versus Shesterkin going forward. Yeah, hopefully that's how it turns out for us. Yeah. And, you know, Shesterkin's still at the point where, you know, he's kind of under a magnifying glass and everything. And and really, even the three goals that the Devils scored, I mean, I don't, I don't take anything away from the Devils. They earned every goal that they got tonight. But most of these goals, I didn't think were really on Shesterkin. Um, You know, the first one was the Devils scored shorthanded, and they, the Rangers kind of hung him out to dry on that. And then the second one was a deflection. And then the third one, and I wanted to ask you about this play specifically, uh, you had that weird play where, where Truba was engaged with a, a player on the Devils, and Truba accidentally kicked the puck over the line while he knocked the net off of the moorings, and they, they ruled it a goal. Uh, what was your take on that play? Because I've, I've never really seen anything like that. So I guess there's a rule where, you know, if, you, if you're the player that knocks the puck off the moorings, that the goal can still count. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like that tonight. Yeah, in my notes, I actually wrote fluky goal, question mark, because I yeah. did not know if it was a goal at first. Um, yeah, it was definitely weird. I think it's because it was on um, his team and he was knocking the net off. That's why it counted, like if it were – maybe a Devils player knocking the, well, I mean, it was a Devils player, but like if yeah. he didn't initiate the contact, I don't, I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> it was yeah, just. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. Goal. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you think you've seen everything in hockey and then you get a play like that. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, this seems weird to me, but I can't really argue it because I've never seen this and I don't know what the rule is. And I, I guess they, they felt like they saw the puck just barely across the goal line as well on that play, but just kind of yeah. crazy. I didn't even know that the puck crossed the goal line at first. Yeah, it so, was hard to tell on the replay. I mean, you could see, like, I, I thought I saw, like, you know, some kind of black object that obviously looked like the puck, and, and it might have been just over the line. But, yeah, just just a bizarre play, and that, that actually tied the game for the Devils. So, big moment in the game as well. Yeah, definitely. And it was uh, technically Coleman's goal, and Coleman had two goals tonight. Coleman was one of the only players who really showed up to play tonight for the Devils because um, he had the he tipped the goal from Severson earlier um, to get them back within one. Um, so I don't know. Coleman had a, a good game for the devils as good as, you know, you can have when you lose six to three. Is Coleman like a guy who, I mean, has he impressed you this season? Is he kind of, cause there's gotta be at least a couple of, you know, positives, some kind of, uh, you know, silver lining type players this season is, is he somebody who would fit that description or, or what, what's the deal with, with Coleman? Yeah. Coleman's not really a breakout player. He's more of a steady presence. Gotcha. Um, 
And he's somebody that we can rely on in situations like this when we really need him. Um, but otherwise, he's like a solid second, third line player for us. You know, I do have to talk a little bit about Tony D'Angelo. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, he, had, he had just an unbelievable game tonight and really just continues what has been a, a great breakout season for him. You know, the Rangers, a couple of years ago, they traded Antti Ranta and Derek Stepan over to the Coyotes in exchange for, I believe it was a first-round draft pick and also D'Angelo. And, I mean, you know, D'Angelo, he's always flashed a little bit, but this is the season where he's kind of put it all together. He's got now, I think it's 11 goals and 25 assists. And I think they said he was the first Ranger defenseman with five points in a game since like 82 or 83, something crazy like that. So, yeah, I mean, just just a crazy uh, game from him. Now, did you know about Tony D'Angelo coming into this game? Because I know he's not really a household name yet, but he's kind of moving in that direction a little bit. He's definitely not somebody I focused on um, in the podcast when like the preview podcast that I had for this, he's not yeah. a name that came up at all. Um, you know, you think about Panera and you think about Kreider, you even think about Strom sometimes because yeah. Strom's been hot lately. But Tony D'Angelo was not a name that I, you know, was too familiar with going into this game. Yeah, he's always had this in him, I think. And, you know, I thought one of the biggest, his biggest play in the game was, you know, the Rangers gave up that shorthanded goal in the first period there. And, you know, not again, not to take anything away from the players on the Devils on that play. I, I believe it was who scored that goal for the Devils. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, the shorthanded goal was Pavel Zaka. Oh, no. Pavel Zaka to Kevin Rooney. Yes. Yes. I have. I see that now. So, I mean, not to take anything away from them. You know, they made a great play off the faceoff and, and, you know, they just uh, just a great hustle play. But, you know, you get a play like that. And up to that point in the game, I, I felt like the Rangers had kind of had the better of play overall, and you don't want to give it away like that. That could be a little bit of a, a gut punch for a young team, and instead D'Angelo comes back just a minute or two later. So, And, you know, he goes top shelf with just an absolute snipe there. So I thought that was a huge play in the game, and obviously that was just the start of a big night. But to me, I, I thought that was really one of the key sequences in this game for the Rangers. Yeah, they bounced back within a minute to get that goal. Um, and then, I don't know, it was just kind of like, non-stop after that for the Rangers um we like even though the Devils got two goals it was still like dominating dominated by the Rangers um yeah so you guys had a great game tonight yeah for sure for sure um yeah and I, I've said you know I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before but it's kind of like playing roulette with this this Ranger team because they are so young and you just don't know what you're in for night tonight I mean I'm at the point where no result against any team would really you know surprise me that much yeah, um, that's kind of how it's been with the Devils because they... They are playing better, though, the Devils, a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, they beat yeah. good teams like the Islanders and the Bruins, then they go and they lose to the Rangers. You just you never <laughs> know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, it can be very frustrating. And uh, one of the other things that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, your coach was was fired, obviously, this season. You know, the Devils underachieving a little bit. John Hines, you know, was let go, and, and now he's, you know, the coach of the Predators. Um I mean, from what I understand, you know, the Devils basically had no choice but to make that move. But, I mean, how do Devil fans look at Hines now? Like, are, are they, like, kind of upset with him that, you know, he got this team off to such a bad start this year? And, you know, what's the take on, you know, with him now being the coach of the Predators? I mean, would Devil fans tend to root for him or against him in, in that role there? Um, It was kind of like on Devil's Twitter, it was kind of like seen as a joke. Like, oh, are you kidding me? You hired this guy after Peter LaViolette. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because he just wasn't a great coach for us. And the Devils fans really wanted him out from the beginning of the season. Um, so it, it's 
it's one of those things where it's like you wish him the best because like you don't want to hold it against him but also you're still a little bitter about how the season started i think that makes sense and you know the funny thing about that to me is you know the devils two years ago they were not really expected to do a whole lot and, and somewhat surprisingly they got into the playoffs that year and that was under his watch so it seemed like he had them moving in the right direction and then for whatever reason they just it kind of just went downhill the last the last two seasons there yeah it really did and i don't know if it's i think and this is just my personal opinion i don't think he can develop young players too well um okay. i think that he has issues playing young players and being like giving them big opportunities and as soon as they mess up he takes them out of the lineup um and this devil's team is a very young team so i think that that's where it started to the conflict started you know yeah i mean you don't want you know especially with a young team you don't want guys out there terrified to make mistakes i mean you have to kind of it's a young team and it's kind of the same deal with the rangers you got to let them take their lumps sometimes and you know i don't think every time somebody makes a mistake they should be banished to the bench. I mean, is that kind of what was happening there? Yeah, like Jesper Bratt even would have a good game. Like it was also like mind games. He would say something like, "Oh, Jesper Boquist has made his way, like earned his way into the lineup," and then that night scratched him. So it's like things like that where it's just very confusing and mixed signals from him. And I don't even know if he knew one hundred percent what he was doing towards the end of his uh, yeah. time with the Devils. I mean, the way you describe that, I, I can't even imagine what the uh, what the intended message there was. That, that's very bizarre. Yeah, it definitely um, was. Um, yeah, and I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to change the subject. So if you want to stick on the subject, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to ask you real quick, and then we'll move on. Uh, Elaine Nasreddin, is that how you say it for the interim coach? Nasreddin. Nasreddin, gotcha. And, I mean, any chance he sticks around after the season, would you be pro-Nasreddin or nay-Razreddin? Any, any opinion there? Um, I'm really not sure yet. I don't know if I see him as a head coach. Um, he was the assistant under Hines, and I think that they kind of really need just a big change uh, within the coaching staff. So I feel like keeping or getting rid of Hines was necessary. Um, I think they need someone else to come in and kind of take the reins here. Um, and I don't know if Nazardine is going to be that person. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, sometimes I think you just need a, a new voice in the locker room. But you were about to change the subject there, so I'll let you go ahead and do that. What, what, what are we going to bring up? Yeah, I was just going to bring up Lias Anderson um, and yeah. just your thoughts. Um, I saw some weird and not great takes on Twitter today, so I just want to get your thoughts on the whole situation there. Yeah, I covered that in my podcast uh, earlier today, an episode that I did earlier today. And it's one of those situations right now where I, I still don't think we have all the facts. And when he, when he originally, you know, he requests the trade and then he just straight up leaves the team. And I did a podcast where admittedly, you know, I was a little bit critical of Anderson because I, I just don't think he quit on your team like that. But I prefaced that entire episode by saying, listen, if, if we get to a point, because anytime there's a story like this in the NHL or really in sports or even in life in general, you're always just kind of, you know, waiting for that other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Right. Like what are like what are we not hearing yet? What do we not know about? And then today, you know, there's there's rumors that, you know, everything from like mental health to, you know, was he bullied in the locker room? And the weird thing is, you know, he did the a couple of interviews in Sweden and they asked him about specifically about bullying. And he didn't really he didn't really confirm it or deny it. But I think just the fact that he didn't deny it kind of speaks volumes because yeah. because if he if it wasn't that. 
then why wouldn't he just say, oh, no, my teammates were cool. I had nothing to do with that. So, I, I yeah, it's, it's a little disturbing. I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know if it was an issue with his teammates or with his coaching staff. But I will say this, and this is something that I've said in, in Anderson's defense this entire season, even before any of these issues, is that the Rangers, when he was – because he debuted, you know, in the NHL – not his, you know, life debut in the NHL, but he started with the Rangers this season before they sent him down to the AHL. And they did him no favors whatsoever because they refused to play him anywhere other than the fourth line. And he's out there with some combination of Greg McKegg or Michael Haley or, you know, and, you know, Greg McKegg's just a career journeyman and Michael Haley's a fighter. And then you've got Brendan Smith out there occasionally and he's a converted defenseman. So, I mean, what is Leas Anderson supposed to do with with players and uh, nothing against those guys, but, you know, they're not exactly scoring threats. So. They just never really have put him in a good situation, and it's just kind of been one thing after another, and just just very bizarre. Yeah, um, it's it's also like one of those things where it's like he needs to be put with certain players in order to succeed, almost, and yeah. they're clearly not doing that or weren't Ex- doing that. Exactly, and you know the the point I made also is. So he was always on the fourth line, and then you had Brett Howden for a while was centering the third line. And, and Howden's been okay this year, but not exactly setting the world on fire. And the point I made was, can we just flip-flop those guys for, like, a game or two? Put him up there with, like, Kako and Heedle and, like, at least give him a chance to be out there with guys who have a chance of scoring? So, I don't know. It's been – it's weird because I, I, I really think the Rangers have done a nice job with most of their prospects, but they have just really fumbled the ball when it comes to Leah Anderson. And, you know, again, just a bizarre situation. And – we're just kind of in a spot now where we just got to wait for the rest of the facts to come out, which I think they eventually will. And, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Yeah. And I just hope the best for him. Yeah, uh, like absolutely. I heard that he might be struggling with an injury right now. And I hope the best for him, like mental health wise, like, I don't know if any of that stuff's contributing and it's not my place to know. Um, sure. I hope that he just like finds his way. Yeah, I hear you. And maybe right now, you know, being home in Sweden is, is the best thing for him. You know, I don't know if I'm not sure, you know, maybe the bridge has been burned to the point where he he'll never come back to the Rangers. Um, He is under contract for the next year and a half. So, you know, maybe the Rangers make good on 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 Anderson's request to be traded and and they kind of just do him a favor that way. It's it's very much a a touch and go situation right now. And, you know, you do have to be sensitive to, you know, if, if it is a mental health thing, you know, those those problems can be very real. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I just hope the best for him, you know, as a person, first and foremost, and then secondarily, of course, as a hockey player as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, one other thing that I, you know, I thought we could talk about here, you know, before before we wrap things up. So, you know, Devils and Rangers both kind of on the outside of the playoff picture looking in right now. And, you know, I was looking at the Devils roster and, you know, who might be a free agent after the season. Is there anyone you could see them, you know, trading near the trade deadline and, you know, maybe trying to get, you know, a young prospect or some some draft picks in return. Anybody you could see being on the move for the Devils? That's a good question. I haven't really thought that far ahead in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been seeing people wanting Paul Mary and yeah. like people being like, oh, Paul Mary would be a good fit here and he'd be a good fit there. I think Paul Mary is one of the vet presences in the room, though, that can't go away that like we kind of need. Um so I hope that we don't trade Paul Mary, but that's somebody who I can see possibly getting traded. Yeah, I, I would agree with what you just said. I mean, I think Paul Mary, you know, Devils have a young team and he's one of kind of, you know, the elder statesmen in there. You could argue that they need him now, maybe more than ever, to kind of just help them navigate through what's been, you know, kind of a tough season so far. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, what about on your end? Are there any uh, ranges that you can see being shopped at the deadline? There's quite a few. Um, and unfortunately, I hate even saying this out loud, but Tony D'Angelo is, you know, he's only on a one-year deal this year. And, but, you know, you saw that performance tonight, just like I did. And, you know, does that look like somebody that you should be trading? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and granted, you know, his value is, is high because he's having this outstanding breakout season, but I don't know. I think that's the kind of guy you, you sit down with and, and you get a long-term deal figured out. And then, you know, you've also got Chris Kreider, his contracts up after the year and same thing with Ryan Stroman, Jesper Foss. So the Rangers, their front office has a ton of difficult decisions to make. And I do not envy them because it's, you know, you can make the case for and against keeping these guys or trading them, all, all four of those guys, really. Yeah, and they're all kind of making a case for themselves this year, both either for the Devils uh, management or to be traded, you know, like, especially Ryan Strome. He's been so hot lately that, yeah. like, people are taking notice. So, you know, I, yeah. either way, you're right. You can make a case, like, either way. Absolutely. And, you know, some Strom, excuse me, some Strom detractors will say that like, oh, well, you know, it's because he's playing with Panarin. And to that, I say, well, that's okay. You know, he's Panarin's awesome. But Strom, to me, I I just see it as somebody taking advantage of of a good situation. That's hilarious because Strom's younger brother, Dylan, went third overall in the draft um, and like a few years ago. And everyone was like, oh, he's only doing like playing well in Erie, his junior team, because he was playing with Connor McDavid. Um, yeah. Which I just think that's kind of funny. Um, a funny yeah. parallel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you hear that a lot. I mean, even with our Timmy Panarin back when he was on the Blackhawks, you know, oh, well, it's just because he's playing with Patrick Kane. And, you know, you look ahead all these years later and, well, I'm sure that helped. I mean, don't get me wrong. That, that can obviously help you. But, yeah, no, he, he's doing just fine on his own, I would say. Yeah, 100%. All right. So, Julia, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me tonight. And I think for sure we got to do this again the next time the Rangers play the Devils this season. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This was really fun. You got it. And uh, Rangers fans, Devils fans, thanks for joining in. And we will see you next time.